Turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 24. It's with great expectancy and it's a desire of mine to start this year preaching a series on the signs of the times and the end of the age. The importance and the need for this is much of the church doesn't know what it believes. And if we're not aware or we don't have a belief in the things that the Lord has plainly uh, told us, then there won't be preparation and expectation of those things because we know them not. Uh, I understand that there's always a fringe movement in anything where you're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. There's always a fringe movement that focuses on uh, the details and it gets into uh, a weirdness that elevates people above one another. So it is with biblical prophecy. But the Lord told us He doesn't want us ignorant of these things, which means unknowing. And so this first one, I'm being as honest as I know how to be with you, is like your introduction one. And if it's at all interesting to you, the next several weeks will be filled by God's grace with illumination for you, uh, revelation for you. You might be like me as I study and I say, I didn't know that. Or I thought this and maybe I was wrong. Now, here's the disclaimer. Your pastor is not... Uh, a prophecy scholar. I study like you do. I, I read like you do. But I'm going to share with you what I believe to be true uh, that's uh, in application of the people, times, places, and events. When the Lord said He's coming back, He's coming back. There's no, there's no debate about that. But the scriptures must be rightly divided so that they can be cohesively knit together in our understanding. And so that's my desire for you. Uh, I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of signs uh, that are here today. And as we culminate over the next, oh, I don't know, year, uh, we, I, just, I, I really ask for you to pray for me that I will not say anything the Lord doesn't want me to say. And the areas where I might be ambiguous or not clear that the Lord would cause that to stay inside and that I might lead you correctly. I tremble. I literally tremble at the idea of standing before the Lord and answering for what I preach and teach you. And with, I don't, I, I know the scriptures. I can preach sanctification and consecration and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But when you deal with prophecy, prophecy is usually only real clear after it's happened. And you go, oh, this was that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. <laughs> there it is. So I ask for you to pray for me. Not just this morning, but during the weeks to come that God would give me what I'm supposed to have for you. So, Father, I just humble myself before you this morning. And uh, at best, you and I both know I'm an unprofitable servant. But I am yours. And I delight in knowing that I'm your boy and that you delight in me. And I pray today, O oh Lord, that you would anoint me with your Holy Spirit to speak with clarity and with unction. And may the pages of this book and these chapters that have been sealed your word told us sealed until the last days where men could understand and proclaim i pray oh lord that i would help bring clarity in the coming weeks if you should tarry to this subject of the end of the days and i thank you for it god in jesus name amen
in your Bibles, Matthew 24, 1 through 3. Would you stand with me one more time? Let's read this. I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version. And what I want you to do during this series, write down the passages. And go home and study them. Any scripture I give you or you see on the screen, write down the passages so you can study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And you can judge them line upon line, precept upon precept. See, all of it's the word of God, but you can't just pick and choose where it goes. Like you can't open the Bible and say, and Judas went and hung himself. Go and do thou likewise. See, you can't do that. You see? Well, it's the word of God. Yeah, but you've got to know how it fits together. Okay. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Be careful of those devotionals like that. Be very careful. Matthew 24. Jesus left the temple and was going away. When the disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple, he answered them, You see all of these, don't you? Truly I say to you, there will not be left one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to focus this morning by God's grace on the signs that are already here. We hope to in the next coming days... Uh, speak to you about uh, the days of Noah, uh, the Nephilim. We hope to speak to you about some of the teaching of a pre-Adamic civilization where Satan ruled. We hope to speak to you uh, about Daniel's 70 weeks, uh, the time of Jacob's trouble, the rapture of the church, uh, the, the, the second coming of the Lord uh, which is divided up into two parts. And you'll hear people say, well, Jesus never mentioned the rapture. Well, it was a mystery until it was revealed to Paul. Jesus, the man, did not reveal it, but Paul revealed it. And there was two parts. The day of the Lord is Jesus coming for his church and then Jesus coming with his church. Uh, but I want to speak to you this morning on signs that are unmistakable. This will be the, pragma, uh, the pragmatical person. Is that a word, pragmatical? This is for the practical person that just wants scientific facts where you can calculate odds and see things that were recorded 2,000 plus years ago, even longer, by a multitude of authors and for the odds of them to take place as said, when said, like they were said, are in the one in trillions, these prophetic things that have come to pass. And the first one I want you to take note of, signs that were in the last days, the miracle of Israel's survival. Well, Brother John, how do you know we're in the last days? My grandmother said we're in the last days. My uh, great-grandmother said it. And ever since Christ was here, uh, they said we're in the last days. Well, in the, book, the Bible it says we're in the last days. They're upon us. The last days being that this is the last week, uh, period, uh, the 690 years, this period of the church. This is the last days before the culmination of the tribulation, a seven-year period. And then when Jesus comes back at the end, destroys the armies of the earth, he deposes him and the Israelites, and Christ comes to the Mount of Olives, he steps, his foot hits it, it splits in half, and he ushers in a millennial reign of a thousand years of peace. 
These signs, though, are already in front of us. And so I want us to examine the fig tree. The fig tree that is born leaves and blossom. Number one, the miracle of Israel's survival. The Bible predicted their continuance from the calling of Abraham. Abraham was not a Jew. Abraham was a Gentile. God called him out of the land of the Ur of Chaldees and said, Follow me and I will take you to a land that I will later show you. And it shall be as an inheritance for you and your children and your children's children. And this calling of Abraham and the, the, the birthing of this earthly nation, the Bible predicts the preservation and the continuation of this nation throughout all of recorded history. Once they were established until the very end at the battle of Armageddon and then the coming of Christ and then in the millennial kingdom. There will still be people working jobs. There will be the glorified saints on the earth as well as earthly people who survived the tribulation will be giving birth and the child will live to be a hundred years old because the curse will be removed from the earth. And the Bible said the nations of the world will come to Jerusalem, to Israel, to worship the Lord. They're going to be booking tickets coming to Israel where the heavenly city has come down from above sitting upon the earthly city and the people of the earth will be able to come to the temple of God and worship. But the odds of one nation surviving the history of time, and there has been no nation that survived the history of time, dispersed across the face of the earth, targeted for extinction numerous times, the passing of thousands of years, and here's the miracle. And they were never absorbed. They never lost their Jewishness. They never lost uh, their peculiarity that God separated them. Any nation that's overcome. A thousand, uh, 500 years later, 300 years later, 800 years later. There may be a memory, but the, the culture absorbs it. Those that Rome conquered, they became Roman. No nation that is uh, 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 taken over and dispersed across the face of the earth holds all of its distinctiveness, all of its peculiarities, all of its things that God established in them. They still kept their Jewishness, they kept their identity and their distinctions. And that is a sign to us. No other nation has been preserved. The great kingdoms, the Medes and the Persians, uh, the Alexander the Great, uh, the kingdoms of Babylonia, the kingdoms uh, of Greece and of Pharaoh and, and, and Egypt pass away. Now we, we have a picture of a broken sphinx, but the nations as they were are not today as they were. They get absorbed and it, it changes, but the Jews... Are peculiar. No defeated nation holds its identity in its captivity. It passes away. Number two, the blessing and cursing of people and nations. Sign number two, the blessing and cursing of peoples and nations. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get out of your country and from your kindred, your father's house, to a land I will show you. And I'm going to make you a great nation, and I will bless you 
And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you. And I will curse him that curses you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So here's God making an edict. He said, everyone that does good to you, I will do good to them. Individual as well as peoples, nations. And everyone that does evil to you, I will do evil unto them. And Israel will be a blessing to the world. Now, it's despised and hated and opposed, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But almost every field of our humanity, the leading scientists, the leading botanists, the leading philosophers, the the leaders of the world, no nation has blessed the earth in the physical realm like the Jews. And the Jews brought us Christ the Lord. And so this prophecy of blessing and cursing is a sign. In the Old Testament, listen to this, there were five, primarily five people groups. The Ammonites, the Amalekites, the Moabites, the Amorites, and the Philistines. And they gave Israel a hard time everywhere they went. They would ransack their cities. They would set fire to their farms. They would curse them like you see on YouTube now. There wasn't media to let everyone know. No one knew about everyone else's antics, but God knew. And do you know, and I'm sure you, many of you do, that there is no Ammonite left. There are no Amalekites left. This, this doesn't have anything to do with your spiritual faith. This is a fact, a geographic, geopolitical fact. There are no Moabites left. There are no Philistines left. They no longer exist. They are lost to history because God said, everyone that hates you, I hate them. And you touched, he didn't say they couldn't touch them. He didn't say they couldn't harm them. He said, I'll curse you and I'll overthrow you. And every nation that's attacked them eventually loses their national identity through destruction, pestilence, Whatever, they are wiped off the face of the earth and they don't ever exist. So you as an individual, be careful that you don't fall into this culture through media and television and radio of laughing at, laughing about, mocking or making fun of the Jewish people. You keep your mouth off of them. You pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You speak good of them for this scripture's purpose. Well, Brother John, what about Egypt? I got to thinking, I said, well, Egypt hated them. Egypt's still around, you know, Pharaoh and the horse and the rider thrown in the sea and all of that. And a lot of this is new to me as I've studied this out. Listen to this in Isaiah 19, 21 and 22. And we're talking about the end times here. If you find it in context, you'll have to go do that because I can't give you the chapters before and the chapter after. And in the last days, the Lord shall be known to Egypt. And the Egyptians shall know the Lord in that day, and they will do sacrifices and oblation. They will vow vows unto the Lord and perform them. And the Lord will smite Egypt, but then he'll heal it. And they shall return even to the Lord, and he shall be entreated of them and shall heal them. The reason Egypt is still on the scene is because God prophesied they would still be on the scene. They have suffered their defeats. They have suffered their being uh, conquered. They've suffered in the world. And they will attack Jerusalem again. 
and God will smite them, but he prophesied the exception to them. They're cursed, but they're blessed because God can bless who he wants to bless. He's the Lord, and what's the pot to say to the potter? What are you doing? And the reason Egypt still exists today is because God said in the last day, they're going to make a turn, and Israel and Syria and Egypt will bless the Lord together. That's why they're still on the scene. Just a sign. Unmistakable signs. Irrefutable signs. That the nations that curse Israel die. Watch in the coming days. If the Lord should tarry and we're still here. Watch what happens to those that invade Israel. See the hatred of it. And uh, the antagonism towards it reaps antagonism. And God has let Israel suffer for their sins and their unbelief. But make no mistake about it. And I, I, I know this isn't a perfect example. because It's not even a close example. But it will register in your humanity. Okay? You hurt my children. And I'm hurting you. And you ain't never lived until a, a preacher whips you. Oh, Brother John. No, go ahead and call the news. Tell them I don't care. You hurt my children. And I'm not saying I'm big and bad. I'm 55. I'm falling apart. But you better pack a lunch because me and you are going to be there a while. I, it's like I swear it. I don't have to think about it. Now think of God who is unlimited and knows all things. He speaks over peoples. And you see the Islamists and you see those that oppose and hate Israel and chant in the streets... That their desire and their purpose is to annihilate man, woman, child, every living thing. God will annihilate them either before the rapture of the church or after the rapture of the church. That's, I believe, will be, and again, these lessons are going to be kind of bleeding together because I don't have the capacity to sep separate them all, but... Uh, when it comes time, I believe that they'll just about be removed from the whole picture because they're not mentioned in the end as well. So we may see it in the news. We may uh, know it after the fact. But know this, that history has proven that those that curse Israel are cursed by God, and they don't exist. Number three, which is one of my favorite, the nation of Israel reborn. The nation of Israel reborn. The same prophets who prophesied the birth of Messiah, the scattering of the Jews, also they predicted the rebirth of the nation of Israel and the migration of Jews from all over the world back to the promised land. Ezekiel 34, 12, and 13. Are these on the screen as, as we're reading them? Are they coming up? Eventually. Ezekiel 34, 12, and 13. Listen to this. As a shepherd seeks out his flock in the day... That he is among his sheep, those that are scattered. So I will seek out my sheep and I will deliver them out of all the places where they've been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries. And I'll bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. Isaiah 66, 8 through 10. Who hath heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the, shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Can a nation be born at once? 
For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to birth and not cause to bring forth, says the Lord? I shall cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith thy God. Rejoice, Jerusalem, and be glad with her. All ye that love her, rejoice for joy with her. So thousands of years of disbursement, uh, abuse, hatred, uh, efforts at extinction. And on May 14, 1948, nation, the nation of Israel was born in one day. Never happened. In the history of the world, when a nation ceases to exist... Now, the people are still there, maybe, and there's a location and the names change... But the exact people, the exact name, the exact uh, makeup of that nation being born in one day. The second of two dispersions and return. The first exile was 70 years and then the Lord brought them back. And the second was almost 1,900 years. Think of this, almost 2,000 years. How old's our country? 200 plus years. 1,900 years. So if, if the United States was wiped off the face of the earth and 1,900 years later the United States came back on the land it was wiped out on. So their conquerors are gone. Nobody's there. They just come back and we're back in the United States 1,900 years later. Can't happen. But it happened with the Jews because God prophesied that it would happen. Their rebirth will be in two stages. Physical and spiritual. In Ezekiel 37, it speaks of a valley of dry bones. And God said, can these bones live? And he said, well, Lord, thou knowest. The prophet said, thou knowest. And he saw the bones come together. And then the flesh come. And then the, the breath comes back into them. And what you've seen is the rebirth of Israel. You've seen the natural part, which would look like God making Adam out of the mud. And then there'll be the spiritual part, when Christ comes back to the earth and the Jews will see, they will look upon him who they pierced. When he comes and touches the feet on the Mount of Olives, they'll be reborn spiritually in one day. They'll cry out Messiah and the nation will be completely reborn. First the natural, then the spiritual. Number four. Fourth sign is Jerusalem will be united under the Israeli rule. Nineteen years after Jerusalem, or Israel, was reborn, the Six-Day War was waged against the Israelites. I, I encourage you to go online and look for uh, uh, unbiased... There are hundreds of videos about the Six-Day War. In a nutshell, Jerusalem's in their land filled with all types of other people, but they come back to their land... Uh, at first there was 10,000 or so people. Now there's 8 million. You know, they're coming back. God's bringing them back. And these bordering nations came in and they were just going to take it all back. Okay. I forgot the statistics. I should have wrote it down. But it was hundreds of thousands to one. Power, might, forces. And Israel somehow caught wind of an attack coming. Somehow. And they, their, their air force, which is very well known, that's another interesting thing you can research, they're the greatest on the face of the earth. Their air force flew however many miles it was, oh, I wish I could remember, 80, 60, this long way, like 
100 foot, 200 foot off the ground, even with the water, how strenuous that must be to maintain, because you could wreck and kill yourself, undetected by radar, and wiped out the entire air force of all of those nations. So not one nation, not two nations, not three nations. A multitude of nations come together. We'll give you land support. We'll give you money. We'll give you uh, weapons. We'll give you people. We'll give you boots on the ground. We'll give you airport uh, airplanes. We'll, we'll give you tanks. And in six days, this little place, like we would say a city in our nation, conquered all of those nations. And not only did they not lose their land, they captured more land that was theirs from the beginning. And be careful when you watch CNN, Fox, I don't care who it is, and talks about the Israelis taking land from people. It's their land. Archaeologists that don't know Jesus from TJ Maxx, they just don't even believe. That, that they'll tell you that the archaeological digs show that Israel occupied this land hundreds of years before anybody else was there, before the dispersion. How can I still, like you take my iPad. And I'm like, where's my iPad? But you didn't know I got a $5 tracker stuck to the back of that thing. It looks like a smiley face, but it's a bad day for you. So I'm, tr I'm following you out. And I go to your car and say, give me that. You took my iPad. And then we call 24 News. They come out, Pastor John Wood took this person's iPad. I said, did you take it? Yes. Well, what makes you, it was mine. Prove it. Listen to my little smiley-faced chirp. Beep, beep. See? Well, how do we know that's your chirp? You see? That's what the world has done. And Jerusalem, after this six-day war, conquered, got the Golan Heights, the West Bank, all of this land, and are so tender of a people that they said, we'll let you have this area, which now the Dome of the Rock says, for peace. We're not trying to destroy you. You're trying to destroy us. And all you hear on the news now is how the Jews uh, attack. And uh, y'all, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter which side of the fence you're on. When a nation has the capacity to obliterate another nation and they do the minimal amount of damage and they call them. Well, now we fact, not facts, but uh, Wi-Fi. And we, we said, we're coming so please get rid of your women and children and clear out this area. We're coming to retaliate. That nation is not an evil nation. They're saying you're bombing us and we just, we're going to fight for our own. But get everybody out and understand that the news and everyone's biased against Israel because the world hates God. That's the, that's the whole, it's easy. The world lieth under the control of the spirit of the evil one. Satan, the prince of the power of the air for this season, and he controls everything. And so it makes the guy that steals his iPad back evil and the guy that stole the iPad a victim. It doesn't mean that the Palestinians aren't precious to the Lord and he wants them to come to know Christ. It doesn't mean that the children that are hurt, ha, 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 they get what's coming from them. No, there are, there's no winners in war. But the fact remains, this land is God's habitation. He said, I'm going to put my name there. And these are my people. And this is their land. And not only will David rule, but then Jesus will come back and David will be a prince in the city of David. It's theirs. 
And I'm just telling you, just watch. Israel can lose some skirmishes, but just watch. It's unheard of. It would be like today. It would be like, uh, oh, I don't know the right proportions, but it would be like uh, Guam turning back a superpower. And in six days they defeated him. How can that be? In the same way they're going to be destroyed in the end. God's going to fight before the battle of Armageddon. And we'll get to this. In a, it's all bleeding together in my head. I wish you could hear the stuff bouncing off inside my head. I'm trying. I'm trying. Before the battle of Armageddon, there will be an invasion of Jerusalem. Uh, and Israel, the bordering nations are going to come in. Gog and Magog. Uh, and, and they're going to come into Jerusalem, and God's going to fight against them and rain fire and brimstone and hail upon them, and they will have to hire people to bury them for seven years just to bury the dead folk. And the Bible said that it will be such a stench of death that people will have to wrap their face and walk through the town nearby because God destroys them all. That's potentially what's going to happen to Iran or the Islamists or those Buddhists that attack Jerusalem before the Battle of Armageddon. This may be where it plays into account, but he destroys them all. And we're living in the days. This is not just the last days. It's the last minutes. Oh, well, where's the promise of his coming? Never before in the history of the world can we point to every prophecy and say that can happen right now. I'm going to get ahead of myself, but you take the no buying or selling uh, unless the mark of the beast, uh, whatever, wherever that is, an RFID chip or whatever, in your right hand or on your forehead. We've never been able to control the commerce of the world at one time. Zuckerberg was talking the other day about putting the drones in the sky now so that everyone on the face of the earth could have internet. Well, wouldn't it make sense if no one in the earth can buy or sell without taking the mark that everyone has to be online? Everywhere? Everything's in place. We're, we're, if we don't know that, we can't believe that. And if we don't believe that, we're not orchestrating our life in such a way. I'm not talking about a fatalist and go dig a hole in your yard and put a manhole cover on it and live. But I mean live, live out our lives, but with our face looking upward the whole time. The whole time. And watch those that harm Israel. And I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I, this, this series, oh, I'm going to get more mail. Ooh, ooh. We are not allowed to uh, mock our leaders, but to pray for those that are our leaders. And uh, I know that our current president has a lot of issues. A lot of issues. More important, more important than separation of church and state. More important than the rights of all the individuals. More important than the economy. More important than immigration. More important than all of that. We finally have a president that at least is verbally acknowledging and preferring and giving kindness to Israel. Uh, uh, you can say what you want. So
so when Netan, Netan, I can't ever say his name, Netanyahu, yeah, him, when he, when he came and spoke to our Congress and our previous president and all of his staff, no one showed. When we projected onto the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem the LGBT colors and the flag on our embassy, Like me or don't like me, like it or don't like it. That was spitting in the face of God Almighty. Okay. So now we've got the world saying, well, no good could come from your current president. Do I have to go back and talk about George W. and Clinton? And all all of our presidents have had issues. All of them. But black is white, black, white is white, good is good, and evil is evil. And I thank the Lord with all, all of the failures, our shortcomings, that our president understands whether he's doing it subconsciously or the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and the Lord is turning it wherever he wants to, that he respects and acknowledges Israel and Jerusalem as its capital. I'm grateful for it. So, the Six-Day War, Jerusalem is now in control of the Jews, of the land of Mount, the Mount of Olives, the Golan Heights, etc. What you may not know is that June last year marked the 50th anniversary of this. And now, we don't tremble, don't go like at every feast that you find that comes around and every, everything, don't let it cause you fear. But 50 is a significant number. God does 50s and jubilees. And last year was the 50th anniversary of the Six-Day War. Number five, signs. Israel will be, well, they are, and will remain in the world spotlight. Why does a nation that small have all this global attention? Now, I, I can't even find the U.S. on a little globe thing, so I'm not good with this. Somebody tell me a nation, and I don't speak if you've got an edumacation. If you've got an education and you can help me, don't, because I might not know the difference if you tell me, you know. What's a nation about Israel's size that just you don't hear about? Something that small. Joel, if I didn't love you, I'd call you out. New Jersey. It's a different world there, I tell you that. Okay. Luxembourg. Don't know what they do. Okay. Can you imagine every day on the news hearing about Luxembourg? You don't hear nothing about them. You'll hear these little nations pop up and go, I've never heard that. Where's that at? And you'll go look it up now. We have Google. We can all look smart. But beforehand, you have to go dig up your sixth grade history book. Okay, Why? Listen, these are signs. They're to let you know that God wrote history in advance. Listen to this. Zechariah 12, 2 and 3. God says, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about them. 
when they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. So what are you saying, Lord? I'm saying that the Lord is taking the hardness of Pharaoh's heart and using it for his glory. And he told us before Israel was ever reborn, before Israel was ever destroyed and reborn, he said, in the last day, I'm going to cause Israel to be a troublesome thing, a splinter in the eye of all the people around it. And Israel's godness will draw out the world's evil. And there'll be targets. And when you turn on the news, every night, Luxembourg, every night, every night, every night. Why? Because God said it would happen. So when you study end times and when you study the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation is not a study of all the bad things that are coming on the earth. The study of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's showing that he was the beginning and the end. And he will judge the earth in righteousness and everything that's written shall happen. And so when we study prophecy, it should not make us fearful. It should make us strong in the Lord knowing that if he said it, it's going to happen just like he said. You ain't got to wonder what's going to happen. He's going to win. You don't have to wonder if he's coming for you. He's coming for you. You don't have to worry about Israel. You just pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It will remain in the spotlight because of the yet unfulfilled prophecies concerning it. It is the city and people of God and the focus of Satan and the world's hatred. It will remain in the spotlight because what affects Israel affects the world. And it will remain in the spotlight because of its desire for peace and its future participation with the Antichrist. Antichrist in the place of Christ. A Syrian Jew, born uh, later, I'll tell you my theories and ideas of what I believe Scripture will weigh out. But this man that will be born, and he will not solve the Middle East peace crisis. But he will create a covenant with many that will stop the hostility. That will allow the Jews uh, to rebuild their temple begin their services, their sacrifices. And we know that there's going to be trouble until that point. Trump is not going to bring peace to the Middle East. The Antichrist is. And it will be a form of concession. Whether the Temple Mount is shared or or it's built in another place, which I'll address that in a little bit. But Jerusalem and Israel... Notice, what's the capital of Luxembourg? Luxembourg City. <laughs> now these young people are going. And then act smart, post it on Facebook. You know, I knew that. And take their phone away and they can't read. But anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. What does it matter? Atlanta's the capital of Georgia. The world's not revolting. What's the problem? It's because subconsciously, in the spirit realm, that acknowledgement aligns with the Word of God. 
and it sends spiritual interference through the whole world and it rattles them and it angers them because if that is true, then the next thing God said is true and the next thing God has said is true and the devil knows that he has but a short time. That's good. This good. Okay, I'm going to ask you, now be honest. I usually let you out at 11.30. I got one more point. Can I keep? Okay. All right. All right. If you got to leave, just, you know. Someone told me not too long ago, I'm sorry I left. We had a lunch appointment. I, I like lunch. I stayed. <laughs> anyway. Signs. There must be a temple rebuilt. And preparations for the temple not only are underway, the preparations for the temple are finished. I was talking to my friend Rabbi Greg. I called him. I said, okay, I'm going to bounce off every, every idea I have. And I said, I know you've studied prophecy and you understand this. And so me and him, we have a very strange relationship. Um, Rabbi Greg is one of the most knowledgeable People I know. How many of you know him? Okay. So it's going to be online. He'll watch today because I was talking to him uh, about this. So he'll know him. I told him the other day when I went to lunch with him, I said, buddy, I love you. I said, but having a conversation with you is like drinking out of a fire hydrant. (laughs) You ask him a question and and it just runs out your mouth. And if you try to say something, it's like double dutch. You're like, if I could, if you, and you just take it in. But I asked him, I said, Rabbi Greg, the temple to be rebuilt, um, does it have to be the temple? Wasn't the tabernacle of Moses that which came with the specifications? He said, absolutely. The temple could be rebuilt in the end times. And this is his opinion. He said, "There's everything that was done in the temple was done in the tabernacle. They could just put a tent up and start and then start building on the temple. Let me, I want to read it to you. I know it, but I want to get the facts exactly right. In 2014, the paper Al Monitor, known as the Pulse of the Middle East, reported that the Israeli Institute was training and preparing priests for the Third Temple. And recently, this article updated in a different paper. There are already 500 men from the, temple, from the tribe of Levi, Levi that are trained, prepared, ready to start now for the coming together of the Israelites and the offering of the temple. Because see, their eyes are still blind to Christ. But it's going to play out like God said. And they're going to rebuild and do the shadows again, the shadows again, the shadows again until the shadows pass away at the returning of Jesus Christ. And they'll look upon him then they pierced. And there'll be no need for any of this anymore. But they're putting it together according to the knowledge they have. In 2016, it was reported on Israel's national news that over 70 sacred vessels had already been created according to biblical design, makeup, quality, and ingredients. From lavers to candlesticks. They've made it with the finest materials, the things. They're already made. So if you put the tent up, you can bring in the instruments. So you have the 500 Levitical priests, the young men who are ready. Their robes are made. Their cloaks are made. They, they understand the procedure. They've studied the law. And every instrument, listen to me, every instrument that's necessary to have the temple in Jerusalem back up and going, whether it's a tent or a building, is in place. And this was really neat. In July 2017, Philip Gilchrist a non-Jewish architect from New Zealand 
was traveling the tunnel complex that runs adjacent to the retaining walls of the Temple Mount. And he mistook the shoring up of the foundation. He mistook maintenance for the building. He said, what are they doing? Are they shoring up the foundations of the temple? And they said, no, that's not what they're doing. He said, man, if I were to rebuild the temple, what they're doing right now is what I would do before I built again. And the people with them that were knowledgeable said, yeah, I guess you're right. So just possibility. So an architect that understands what he's doing, they're under the temple restructuring the foundation of the temple today. Now, why is that important? Because it has to happen. The end cannot come until the Antichrist, this geopolitical figure, makes a covenant with other nations in Israel. Israel begins their sacrifices again. And the Antichrist comes in at the three-and-a-half-year point, steps into the Holy of Holies, stops the animal sacrifice, pointing to Christ and says, I am God Almighty. And then, the seven-year period, at three-and-a-half years, see, you, you, mark, uh, you, you mark the tribulation uh, with these days when, when the temple's built, and then when Antichrist stands in the temple, that's the three-and-a-half-year mark, and then the tribulation turns into great tribulation. And Jesus said, when you see this, when you see this man step into the Holy of Holies, whether it's in a tent or a palace, and declare that he is God Almighty, he said, don't even grab your coat. And woe unto the mothers that are breastfeeding at that time, because there's never been a time in the world like this, nor will there ever be again. But the temple is ready. As a matter of fact, they could put it up and start tomorrow. That's how close we are. Ben, if you'd come here for just a moment. Just a moment, I want to talk to you, just, and we'll deal with it later in, in depth. But, Pastor John, how can we rebuild the temple? Uh, because of the Dome of the Rock is there. and You're talking about starting World War III. Well, these are the options. If the Dome of the Rock is where the temple will be rebuilt. Well, what do you mean? Well, all we know is what people have told us. So, if the Dome of the Rock is where the temple will be built, it must be allowed by the Muslims, vacated by the Muslims, or taken from the Muslims. For the temple to be rebuilt at the Dome of the Rock, it must come under full control of the Israelites. And here's a key one. The Israelites must know the exact place to construct the altar. The altar has to be in the same place in Solomon's temple. It has, the altar has to be in the same place. And they're in disagreement to where that place is. Your pastor does not know. But from my studies and my speaking with scholars, they might build the temple right beside it or southwest where Mount Zion is. Now, bear with me. This won't take me just a moment. But Mount Zion and Mount Moriah have been used interchangeably because it's not just a mount. It's an area of land. Okay? What if, what if, what? I'm not saying it did. What if the first two temples were built on the wrong place? 
What if the temple was supposed to be in Mount Zion? Let me just submit this to you. This, this is just your pastor wondering. Psalms 132 says, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. What if, we'll say, Brother John, wait a minute now. Well, Solomon's temple had to be on the right place because the Lord's presence filled it. Well, the Lord makes concessions. Israel wasn't supposed to have a king, and they wanted a king, so he gave them Saul, and Saul had great victories. The truth is we don't know. And don't let anybody tell you we know, because I wasn't there when Solomon built his temple. But this third one will be built on the exact spot that God wants it to be built on. So don't be concerned. If it's the Dome of the Rock, they either have to give it away, they have to be overcome and offer it, there can be a shared arrangement, but the temple, tent slash temple, we don't know, is coming. But here's the thing. Everything's in place. Now, I want to sum it up with this. As we study this, this is not, I'm not trying to get you to become a prepper. Okay? I got me about two months of food. We have a cellar in our house. And I said, okay, you know, we got some soups and peanut butter and jelly. It ain't going to be good. But, you know, that's all you got. I believe, but it's not so much for the end of the world as if something happens to us and the grocery store is empty. We got peanut butter. You know, I got, I got that kind of thing. So. The issue is not to prepare for yourself physically. It's to prepare for yourself spiritually. When I see these signs coming, he said, lift up your heads. Your redemption draweth nigh. I'm living in this world, but I'm not loving this world. I'm connected in this world, but I'm not connected to this world. And my longing is to be with the Lord. And unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The Jews still have the time of Jacob's trouble ahead. Your pastor believes that the church is going to be the restraining force that's taken out. Did we deserve it? No. No. Oh, you're just wanting to escape. Yes, he said, pray that you be counted worthy to escape. The great and terrible day of the Lord. And I believe with the majority of the Christians that we know of, statistically in the world, in the U.S., the U.S. would no longer be a world power. The nations can go against Israel. There's nothing they can do about it. We've been decimated. And the evil of the world will come into a funnel. And God will invite them to the table of their own destruction and stand for Israel. And at the rapture of the church, if we come back with the Lord and Israel's reborn, then you take the Gentile believers and the Jewish believers and they're one and we usher in the millennial kingdom. It's coming. So prepare your hearts this year. I'm going to work for my family. We're still going to buy stuff. we got to get clothes. My kids are growing out of their clothes. But there's nothing here that's important. There's nothing here is important. The only appreciable asset is the things you do for God, the affection you have for God, and the love you have for God. It's the last minute. And Kelly, when I said this, and I'll close with this, she said, I don't like when you talk like that, and I understand. But just hear me out in full context. If you were to say, John... The life of your children is on the line. We have found whatever in the Bible. We know when the, when the Lord is coming. And we're asking when the Lord is coming for his church. 
And if you get it wrong, your children die. Do you think the Lord is coming for his church in the next five to ten years? Absolutely. 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 Be ready. Be ready. Be looking. Don't be sober. Be ready. Because the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with the shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And everybody that's ever died in Christ is going to get up out of the ground. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then when they cry peace and safety. When Antichrist makes the covenant. Then sudden destruction will come upon the world. Never before has it been like this. And the time of Jacob's trouble will be there. And the wrath of God will be poured out on the world. The wrath of the world is poured out on the Jews. The wrath of God is poured out on the world. But in the end, the Jews are God's people. We're God's people. The enemy will be vanquished. Righteousness will reign and God will keep his word. So as we study this, it should make you scared. It should make you happy that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And we're right on time. We are living in the day that they talked about. What if he comes while we're in here? I don't want to be one of those ones that goes, looks around as, you know, 10 or 12 people. What happened? Y'all stand with us. May I say a word of blessing on you from the word of God? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Jesus. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I've gone to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come back and receive you unto myself. Because where I am, I want you to be. Comfort one another. Comfort one another with these words. It's all good. Signs of the times. And God has the final say. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.